Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Only Colors Holiday Takeover Spectacular. I am your co-host, Sarah G. You can find me on Twitter at SGender. And I am your other co-host, Sarah N. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Norris. Thanks to John and Austin for having us back for the third time. You can follow them on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. It is Tuesday, December 22nd, and let's start with some good news. I would love to. Um, Following in the footsteps of John and Austin's very strong hockey presence, I would like to report that the hockey team beat Notre Dame in overtime last night. Isn't that a thrill? Um, Yeah, exactly. A strong hockey school. And the winning goal was scored by Tommy Miller. And from what we can tell, he is not related to the other hockey Millers. But if you're going to be a Miller and you're going to play hockey, going to Michigan State is a good option. And if he's not related to the Millers, which, again, we cannot find any evidence that he is, imagine coming to Michigan State and playing hockey and having your last name being Miller and not being a Miller Miller. Like, good for you. Good for you. I'm I'm proud of him. So thank you for that win, sir. I don't know anything else about the hockey team, but it seems like they're doing some winning. So that's great. Winning's good. Uh, speaking of winning, the women's basketball team, undefeated. Uh, they are ranked number 25 in the country. Uh, They've got upcoming games against Oakland and Purdue, and then a big matchup with uh, number 14, Maryland, on January 7th. So keep your eyes peeled for those games. I believe the Oakland game is today, this morning, so in case you don't have anything better to do. Uh, (laughs) If you want to support a great team, you should watch our ladies. And also watch an 11 a.m. on Tuesday basketball game, which is a wild time for basketball. Truly, truly a wild time. (laughs) Uh, So it's the holiday season. Merry Christmas, Sarah. And Merry Christmas to you, Sarah. Uh, Do you want to know what I got you? Absolutely. I got you a really garbage basketball game. I hope you like it. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. But do you have a gift receipt? (laughs) Guys, we did not want to come to you with this type of game honestly when we were doing a run through yesterday we were feeling great we were like yeah it's going to be awesome to talk about a win and instead the michigan state basketball spartans decided to gift us with a 79 to 65 loss in evanston and truly i do not know what we watched last night yeah that wasn't fat and sassy that was big and bad we got run out of the gym from tip it was astonishing yeah, we should take this take this one back, uh, return it from once it came. From the tip-off, which I would like to know, it was taken by Aaron Henry. This game was bad choices up and down the up and down the floor. It was uh, you know, bad shooting, bad defense, 
things that we should have known better. For example, Boo, goddamn Booey. I am sick of him. I thought we made it clear. We made it clear after what he did to us last year, which in case you forgot was 26 points, that we weren't going to let that happen again. And then what did we do? Well, he he scored 30 points this time. 30 points. It's not like he wasn't on the scouting report. You know, like we we're aware that Boo Booey's last year, you could say, oh, we don't know about him. You know, he's a freshman. You you could maybe be caught a little. You knew about Boo Booey. You have the tape. Like somebody should have been uh, made it their job to make sure that Boo Booey did not score 30 points. And yet. And then there was something called a Pete Nance. Pete Nance Nance put up 15 points and 12 rebounds. 15 points and 12 rebounds as a freshman. He did not have time for us. um, And we clearly had plenty of time to watch him score, which is everything we were doing in the post. I am reviewing my notes. And like in the first half, I'm like, oh, okay, things are, you know, not necessarily bad shots, but they weren't falling. And then as it gets lower into the game, it's just like everything fell apart from there. I know they had some days off. But this was an inexcusable effort. And I think that's where we all have landed today, where it's like, so what do we what do we do now? So Pete Nance is a junior. I think you might oh. have been thinking of Ty Berry. Ty Berry is who I'm thinking of. You're right. But yes. A good, a good point here, which is that Northwestern, I think we can officially sort of move Northwestern out of the tier of Big Ten basketball where every time you play them, you expect not only a win, but like an easy win. Northwestern is not stinky. You know, they're they're pretty good. Boo Booey is only a sophomore. Tyberry, a freshman. They've got some talent. They've got some, you know, they don't stink. And so, you know, credit where it is due, Northwestern came out last night and they were prepared. They played well. They executed they had a lot of energy. They had a lot of, you know, fire. And I think that that was something that Michigan State was really lacking. And we've seen this for a couple of games in a row. And I start to wonder, like, if the team is struggling a little bit with going into an empty gym. Even if you're on the road, there's, like, a, a vibe, atmosphere, you know, like. Because they just look flat. Yep. Like they come out of the locker room and they don't look excited. Yeah. And it's it's starting to become a trend and it's yeah. starting to become a problem of like if you cannot get yourself up for the Big 10 season opener precisely what games yeah. are you yeah. getting up for Pres- yeah. and they came out flat against duke too if you cannot get yourself up to come out with energy against duke at cameron precisely what are you going to be excited for because I think that that is I think that that's a big problem is with this team is oh I think that that is one of the issues is like just setting the tone mm-hmm. overall yeah when you come out when you get down who is the person that that establishes the team's identity and against Duke it was Aaron Henry Aaron Henry came in there with a big old chip on his shoulder talking all kind of trash at the Duke bench you know that's a good identity. That's a vibe. You know, that's a vibe. And Aaron Henry was last night. Like he didn't play bad, but he was not. He didn't bring any of that extra. Didn't bring any of that extra. Yep. No swag. 
was yeah. to be had from anyone. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were missing it from everybody. And I think like I was doing, you know, some reflecting on who we are and what we hope to be. And I think up until this point this season, it is not that we haven't missed Cassius and Xavier, but I think we've gotten away with skating by, right? Like last year they could always look to cash to pick them up. And in fact, in the Northwestern game, I think it was last year, you know, he was the one who turned it around many times last year, but um, especially in that game, if we're, if we're comparing the two and it was like their game plan, at least the players, I'm certain this is not what the coaches prepped them on. Their game plan was to wait it out. Right. And hope that it stopped, hoped that Northwestern started to miss, hoped that Northwestern crumbled, to Michigan State um, and hoped that somebody figured it out, but none of the players themselves were looking within and saying, I'm going to be the one to figure it out. And I think that that's where uh, the roots of our problem becomes. Izzo has always said that his best teams are player-led teams. So if you look at this roster now, who is that player? If it's Aaron Henry, then last night can't happen. Even if you're not going to be the one shooting, and he's been disastrous from three but drive the lane try and make something happen finish those layups I mean they were missing easy gimme buckets and on a night when Northwestern was shooting I think it was 42 percent from three 40 okay great even better um (laughs) you've got to create something and it didn't look like there was anybody in that huddle that was asking for more from their teammates. Izzo can do it until he's forced to put Hoiberg in with two minutes left in the game, but he can't be the only one who cares, right? And I think that's what's alarming in this case. We know they are not a trash basketball team. We know that. There's a lot of talent there. You don't go into Cameron and beat Duke and be trash. You just don't. That doesn't happen. So my question to them is, What are you going to do now? Um, You know, I think we can look at different things. Like, let's talk about the defense. It was shocking how non-existent it is. And I think you saw a little bit of that versus Oakland, right, where they let Oakland score 91 points on them. Um, Northwestern shot over 50%. And, of course, again, I'm not going to discount that they were very hot from three. And sometimes that just happens. But if you're watching them do that and you're letting people blow by you, that's a big Michigan State question is, how is that acceptable? That has never been something Izzo has done. And so it's like we've seen both ends of the spectrum on defense for them, right? So at Duke, I say Duke and Notre Dame were probably some of the best defensive games we've seen out of this team. And then you see Northwestern where they refuse to do anything. And so you're never going to stop any team. I don't care who it is, if that's how you're defending or not defending as it were. And we, we've, John and Austin have talked a lot about perimeter defense. Everybody on Twitter has talked a lot about perimeter defense. And the perimeter defense has been lacking. But if you remember last year, we also had a little bit of a problem with perimeter defense. Guys like Boo Booey and others, you know, just went off. Um, against Michigan State. My bigger problem last year was, again, Pete Nance getting whatever he wanted down low. And, like, the the defense was bad from the baseline to midcourt. There was not a single spot on the floor 
where the defense was working and it, it was, it was bad. And I think that when we talk about leadership, you know, obviously we miss cash as a floor general, but another thing, do you remember that article that I think was in the athletic last year about how Xavier Tillman was like postman dad to all the other big, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. having them do their film sessions and like, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I think that that's also a presence that's being missed uh, among the, the group of bigs, um, Bingham, Kithier, Hall, Marble, Hauser, I forget anyone, uh, Sissoko, you know, like we don't have someone down there to sort of, again, set the tone for like, what, what is post play on this team, right? When it was X in there, you knew what he was bringing and what the tone was. And like, somebody needs to set that tone. Um, and I think that, I think that last night, there's so much to talk about in this game. There's so much bad. It honestly is like every bad thing about this team happened in this game. Every single bad, flawed thing that could happen did, except for turnovers. I believe yeah. there were only seven turnovers. So great job. Um, but I think one of the things that for me- There were really, eight, but still. <laughs> I think one of the things for me that really stood out is the big play. like. The rotation needs to be cut down. At this point, the Marcus Bingham experiment has got to end, except in special circumstances, like, you know, if you need to throw a body at a Luca Garza for just, like, pure garbage foul minutes. Um, and the Thomas Kithier experiment has got to end. Yeah, um, he was real bad yesterday. He played 19 minutes. He took two shots. He had two points and two rebounds. What brings absolutely nothing to the table. And I know that John is fond of saying that he is a garbage man. He's not a garbage man. He is garbage, man. (laughs) He's garbage. He is so bad. I mean, he doesn't. I fail to understand what he offers that Malik Hall or Julius Marble does not give you. Because it's certainly not athleticism. It's certainly not energy. You know, it is certainly not buckets. You know, I don't understand what the coaching staff feels he is bringing to the table in this situation. I don't get it. To echo that, too, I guess my concern there is if they're still starting Kithier, then how bad is everybody else? You know, and that may not be true. It may be they just they see a matchup that's better or something. Um, But I guess my question would be, like, would you start? Marble? I'm certainly not going to start Bingham. Are you going to start, maybe start Malik? Yeah. Maybe Hall is the logical person to start there. I think that Malik, I think that Malik is more of a four than a five. I don't think that he should really start in that center position. Um, And with Marble, uh, you know, Marble only played, I think, nine minutes last night. Yep. And was excellent every time he came in. You know, he's got so much pop and so much energy. Um, But like, With Marvel, there may be a conditioning issue. I can't explain. I can't think of another reason why he doesn't get more minutes if it's not. But nine minutes yesterday was terrible. It was, was, I just, I look at the team and I say, what are this team's strengths? Yep. And I think it's athleticism, Mm -hmm. you know, it's speed, it's height. and, And if you're looking for people to provide energy, 
you're going to have to put in more of the guys who come in off the bench and, and give the team that life. And I think Malik played so well yesterday and then down the stretch when it was like sort of close, like maybe when they had cut it to like 10 or 11, yeah. he was on the bench and you feel as though that was a wasted opportunity. I think when, I think something that really stuck out to me there is he had had a few um, good series and it honestly looked like he was the only one really trying. And then I checked and the lineup on the floor was Kithier, Foster, Langford, Hauser, and Gabe. And I did not like that one at the least. And so I know that Izzo has said that he is still trying to figure out his lineup, but big time play has started. And so it's, it's time to figure it out. Um, I think the other spot that, that we haven't spoken about, and I think everybody is real confused on is what's going on with rocket. What's happening in there. There is some discussion that he may be playing through a stress fracture, but he's clearly not, Right. He, and I think it's not just he's playing poorly, his attitude is real poor. And I understand like being frustrated, but you could see the disinterest on his face on the bench. And that's something that I worry about if he, I think he can come out of it, but I think he's really got to talk to himself. And also if he is actually hurt and you could see that his shots were awfully flat yesterday, why is he playing? Why are you not getting him the help he needs. I know that we don't know the nuances of what they're actually doing for him. And it's all just speculation um, that he's injured, but I think he was dealing with an ankle injury at the beginning of the year. Um, It's just, it's troublesome to put him out there and watch him play like that. And you can afford an off night for rocket if it's in a vacuum, but if it's also an off night for Hauser and Henny and Gabe and pretty much everybody else, you're going to lose every time, right? Because they're not feeding off of any. I will conclusively say that if the whole team plays bad, they're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're that's strong. She's, got a, she's got a strong opinion, folks. And I well, think she, I, she may be right. I but. think the thing about Rocket is he is, and we talked about this with Henry last year. So like mm-hmm. in that sophomore year, right? He had so much success. He was playing so well at the end of his freshman year. But I think he is like Henry in that when he's feeling it, you know, he will shoot from the logo and he'll drain them and he'll like, you know, put up a little three goggles and he will do, and then he'll be amazing on defense. You know, that's how he played in the Duke game. But I think that what you see last night and what I think a lot of people interpreted as like indifference or like pouting is just that like when he's not playing well, he, he doesn't enjoy it. As a person who hates doing things that I'm bad at, I understand that feeling. <laughs> yes, you know? so absolutely. I think that I think that like this gets back to like the attitude, right? Like mm-hmm. I want Rocket and Henry and Malik and Marble and everybody to come out there sort of with that like again, if this is gonna be the attitude. With Cassius, it was all kind of very like calm waters, you know, that was sort of the attitude of the team, like it's all gonna work out. But like if they're gonna come out and be this sort of like swaggy chip on the shoulder team like they've got to do that and they've got to get up you know they've got to have that they've got to have that energy from the tip off even if they're playing in ryan arena you know in an empty gym on a sunday night you know and during christmas week you know it's like it's so hard to imagine but yeah you've got to bring your own energy you got to 
got to bring your own energy. And I think that that's, that's something that last night was just a big fat failure. Um, and yeah, I think rocket there's, there's the mental side and there's the physical side. I think whatever it was, right. Like you said, the shot looked off. It looked like I had no air underneath it. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just hard to say. And also speaking of injuries, uh, we hope Joey Hauser is okay. He, he came back in after he banged his knee early in the second half. Um, I think they got a good close up of him right after it happened and he looked scared. And I think yep. that it had been a situation where it felt bad. Mm-hmm. But then once the trainers looked at it and they got a little time, uh, you know, he had hurt. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. And I think he, you know, he's a person with a history of knee issues. And I think, you know, anytime you feel anything in that area, it, it probably messed with them for the rest of the game. Um, I think you did see a little more um, focus from him. He was trying to be the guy, right? And so you like to see that. Obviously, somebody needed to be um, the guy. But I think ultimately that injury or that tweak or whatever it was um, affected him mentally and and they just they just showed yesterday that like they're they're not there yet right I think they have a lot to work through but you know you and I were talking about this earlier and it's just like you we try to keep a very measured approach to basketball we are rarely scrap the program um Typically, we're having these discussions in January when they lose three in a row. You know, that that's not uncommon. It's happened um, the last couple of years. So we're definitely not scrapping. Um, but I think it is going to be so important for them to look within the next couple of practices and, and decide who they are. Um, it doesn't get easier from here. We all know the Big Ten is, from top to bottom, going to be a scrap fest the entire time right and your next game is against Wisconsin so you have to spend these next few days as a team figuring out what do we do from here right I'm more concerned about how we respond next Mm -hmm. Um, you may be able to chalk this up to pretty much you know as we said everything that went that could have gone wrong went wrong right and but what do you do now Mm -hmm. Wisconsin's not going to roll over who Mm -hmm. are we going to be from here. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see a different attitude out of them entirely. Yeah. And I think uh, this is another point that John and Austin hit on, I think last week, uh, talking about how Tom loves a principled loss. You know, he, he prefers early in the season if that sort of principled loss comes against like Duke or Virginia or Kentucky. So he can be like, yep. you know, that's, that's what you have to aspire to. But I think he'll take coming in and laying an egg to to teach the team a lesson as well. He'll take it. You know, and he actually – I listened to his post-game interview on WJR last night, and um, he took a lot of blame himself and a lot on the staff, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I think that this gets into, like, the lineup questions where he's like, you know, we maybe have to reassess what we think the – the team is in some areas. And I think that you will see some guys get some reduced minutes or maybe drop out of the rotation entirely. Um, You know who I think was actually kind of, you know, good, not great was once again, AJ Hoggard. Uh, I'm interested to see how his minutes increase going forward. You know, if we are 
facing a situation where Rocket is hurt or is not providing us with the mental sort of like, you know, it, it's there's the, the the good things about this team remain the same. Yep. It's deep, it's talented, it's well coached, and it's you know th- those things are still true. Um, yes. But but if this is a if the problem here exists between the ears, that's a lot harder to fix than a problem that is on the court. You know, and I think yep. that that's I think that's what it, what everyone is worried about. Yeah. Because we all remember that, uh, what year was it, 2011, 2010? The post-back-to-back Final Fours team that was yes. just trash for no reason, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of has that, like, can we not be trash for no reason? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think because we we had won some big games already this season, um, like the Notre Dame win looks better and better every time, and beating Duke will always make me happy. Um, I think we saw what they were capable of and to see it fall apart so quickly is what has alarmed um, everybody. And, you know, as a fan base, we're pretty spoiled, right? Like this type of game doesn't happen often, thank God, even when, you know, we're in a down year. So I'm more inclined to hope that it was a blip, but a necessary one that they can look at and learn from. Um and hopefully move forward. Um, hopefully we won't continue to shoot as poorly, but I also hope that they're not just going to start chucking threes and hoping for the best. Um, we've got to get more physical. We've got to play defense. Um, and to me, they, obviously these are things that we can improve on and we can make changes. It's just a matter of, are they going to do it? And also I think one last point, unless there's more you want to say about this trash, um, I would say that like it was a difficult week um, and, you know, week and a half or so when they flew to Virginia, the game got canceled. They turned around. It was finals week. They were working on getting a game scheduled. It looked like maybe they had one um, and then that fell apart. You know, they're doing finals. They're isolated. They're not going home for Christmas. They're going to play a game. I'm hoping that maybe it was just all of those things compounded on top of each other. Um, And I'm going to (laughs) choose to look at it and say, all right, it happened. It's awful. There are a lot of things you can look at here, but let's move forward and regroup for Wisconsin. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not going to get easier playing on Christmas, you know, like that. (laughs) So I think, um, you know, speaking, talking about the Wisconsin game, you know, they're playing on Christmas. I don't know. Does this ever happen? I can't remember it ever happening. I don't think they they often play on Christmas, if ever. Clearly, we've done a lot of research on this, but um, I don't recall many Big Ten games. I know they would play around Christmas, but if I remember correctly, never on. And they usually have like a couple days off there. Like they used to not let um, Derek Nix go home for Christmas, remember? Because they were worried he would gain all that weight. Yeah. Um, so I just remember little story, stories like that, but I think playing on Christmas is relatively rare, but I'm for it. Cause honestly, what else am I going to do? I like it too. And I think it's interesting. They mentioned in one of the recent games that Tom was reaching out to, uh, like Steve Smith and probably Draymond Green and talking to them about playing on Christmas since they do it in the NBA, just like, you know, kind of to talk to the guys, um, about it. But, uh, Wisconsin, uh, I haven't looked at the updated rankings. They were number 12. They we're number I think we are number 12 now, so yeah, so they they cannot be they can no longer be number 12. The rankings just got updated, so they are now number nine. 
So yeah. they started the season in the top five. Um, it's a good basketball team. And if Michigan State – it goes without saying that if Michigan State plays like this again, uh, they're going to – they're not going to win. <laughs> they're going to get trounced again. You can't um, hear the fire takes, and there they are. Here again, they are. <laughs> if you play badly, they will lose. Correct. I stand by this. Um, <laughs> this game is at home, which is nice, but it is kind of a short – well, not that short of a turnaround, a couple days. Um, Wisconsin, pretty much the same team that they were last year. Uh, Nate Reavers, Micah Potter – Brad Davidson and Dimitri Trice uh, all back I will, again. I will point out that Wisconsin is the leader in the clubhouse for the most members on the Perry Ellis. How is he still playing watch list? Um, and these are players that you swore should have graduated, you know, five to 10 years ago, but yet somehow they are still playing. Uh, Brad Davidson has been taking flop charges for approximately 10 years. I'm convinced. I am sick of it. <laughs> and Demetri Trice too. I mean, I think they're both seniors, so you know it feels like they've been there forever. But Demetri Trice, it also feels like he's been there a really long time. Um, I mean, you can't really rely on me. I thought Pete Nance was a freshman, so what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> but I do know Brad Davison has been there for thirty-seven years. That Correct. I will stand by. Correct. So you know, watching a couple games, um, Wisconsin played Louisville on Saturday. That was an absolute. Uh, shellacking Wisconsin scored, I believe, 85 points in that game, which for Wisconsin is like scoring 150. At least. Um, they shot – so the team as a whole shoots a lot of three-pointers. They are very efficient from three. Um, they they lost one game this year, which was against Marquette. Uh, it was a two-point loss. It was a little fluky. It was um, the put-back tip on the missed free throw. Uh, but they, in that game, I think part of the reason they lost is they didn't play great defense either on the perimeter or down the middle. Seems like they've cleaned that up. That was like their third or fourth game of the year. Um, so, you know, Wisconsin is Wisconsin. They're going to do what they do, which is slow the game down. Um, they're going to draw a lot of ticky-tack fouls. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. And it's really going to put a test on Michigan State's perimeter defense because they have those four guys we mentioned are all really good three-point shooters. Yep. And so, you know, and also I think everyone should buckle in and be prepared for this game to be annoying because it's Wisconsin. Like, it's Wisconsin. So, like, <laughs> it's never fun to play against Wisconsin. They are going to try and grind you down. I mean, it's not so bad as it was, like, in the Bo Ryan heyday where they wanted you to literally score, like, 35 points a game. Um, and I think the the – but Ryan, the single reason that they shortened the shot clock in the college game. But I would believe it. I, I mean, it's a it's a large contributing factor because nobody likes it. Sometimes I look at those scores from like the mid aughts and the, the games are like 47 to like 42. And it's like, what on earth is this game? So yeah, Wisconsin, um, they're not quite that slow anymore, but they do still try to slow the game down quite a lot. And this is a big one where we say Michigan State sort of has been playing down, sort of getting caught up in, like, playing into the other team's strengths. And, like, if Michigan State tries to play this game Wisconsin's way, it's not going to be a good time. They sh Michigan State should not play slow. They should not jack up a bunch of threes. They should do what they do well, which is pass the ball a lot, get points in transition, you know, do the things that make them successful. Because if they if they try to play – Wisconsin's way, it's going to be 
you know, it would have been nice to play Virginia because Virginia is basically yeah. Wisconsin East. And, um, <laughs> you know, it would have been nice to have that warm up for this game. But yeah, I agree with you there. And to be quite frank, I do not want to watch this Michigan State team try and play Wisconsin's game. I think we saw what happens when uh, we play someone else's game and, and hope for the best. Um, I would rather not hope. Um, I would rather completely turn around and and play good this time. I'm going to say it. I would like them <laughs> to play a good game and not the bad game. <laughs> Do the good basketball. Yes. It's very Honestly, it's Christmas. It's red versus green. You know, you cannot get more festive um, than that. Uh, after the Wisconsin game, uh, Michigan State will have the Minnesota Golden Gophers um, on the 28th, and that is at Minnesota. Now, I saw two different games from Minnesota. The first was, so they're 7-1 and one this year. Um, they finished 8-12 and 12 in the Big Ten last year. Um, they have to replace Daniel Oturu, who was drafted by the Clippers, and obviously we know how good he was. So the first game I watched uh, for Minnesota was the Illinois game, and my friends, I believe that they forgot that Kofi Coburn plays basketball because he ran all over them. And by run, I mean, he just kind of bodied them around, which is, which is what he does. Um, but they had no interest in guarding him. Um, they returned Marcus Carr, who is very good, um, but you can kind of see where he's a bit hampered um, trying to find uh, somebody to replace Oturu. They also have Booth Gotch, um, who scored one point in the Illinois game. And again, you're not going to have many, you're not going to have many wins uh, if you're Minnesota, if he's not playing well either. Um, Kelsher in that game, he couldn't shoot. He was one for four from three. He was, he finished with nine points. Um, and I fully am expecting him to be the one to go off versus Michigan state, because it seems like we're going to have at least one player every game, do that to us. And he will probably do and it. Kelsher led the big 10 in threes made and attempted last year. So like he's going to shoot it. That, that goes without saying. Yes, correct. Um, and then let's see what else we have. And then last night um, they played a bit, better against a surprisingly good St. Louis team. I feel like they're always um, good to ruffle some feathers a bit. The Billikens, you can't count them out. Um, Kelsher played a little bit better, 11 points, um, but Marcus Carr had 32, and there's not much you can do um, about that. He had 32.7 assists. Gotch played better, 11 points, 8 rebounds. Um, they have some height um, with transfers. Liam Robbins from Drake is 7 feet tall, and Brandon Johnson from uh, Western is 6'8". Um, they do tend to turn the ball over a lot. Against St. Louis, they had 20 turnovers with 14 in the second half. So again, I think this is where if Michigan state plays the good defense and they're pesky and they're active, um, you can force a lot of those turnovers and hopefully uh, take advantage. I think they're a relatively young team. They had some pretty significant COVID issues already. They had a two week pause. Um, and I think maybe the Illinois game was a bit of a result of that layoff, but Illinois is also a lot better than the Minnesota is. Um, so I think that's kind of what you saw there. So 
again, I felt much more comfortable playing Minnesota before last night happened, and now I feel nervous about every game we play. So, so that's fine, you know. It's another team that has at least two very strong guards, right, in Carr yeah. and Pilcher. And it's like now every time, you know, we look at the at the schedule, you know, and, and the, uh, spoiler alert, the Big Ten, every single team – has a couple of really good guards. And so if the perimeter defense for Michigan State does not improve, you know, we're going to be in trouble trying to win games where we let people like Marcus Carr or Isaiah Livers or Ayo DeSunmu or Geo Baker score 20, 25, 30 points. You know, that if that's how it goes, the Big Ten is going to be a real bad time. For Michigan State, so you know it, it. It's really, you know, Minnesota is not bad. It's they are. They're not good either, though. You know, <laughs> you gotta feel like this game is winnable. Uh, you gotta feel like this is one that should go in the win column. Uh, yeah, and uh, I saw Minnesota play actually this year, wildly enough, in January. Uh, when they played Michigan State here in Minneapolis. And that was kind of a similar, I think Kelter had 15 points in that game. Um, the guards definitely did some damage. But yeah, without a Turu, they're very different. Yeah, very absolutely. Different. Speaking of the Big Ten, um, who's in the way of Michigan State's four-peat, <laughs> which feels less likely, but you know, long season. Who's in the way of their own four-peat? <laughs> Number one on the list of who is in the way, uh, Michigan State, actually. So that's looking fine. But you and I both watched um, Iowa play Gonzaga um, this weekend. And first of all, Gonzaga, no thank you, no thank you. No. <laughs> Jalen Suggs is insane, and so... I do not want any part of that. But we're going to talk about Iowa now instead. Thankfully, Gonzaga does not play in the Big Ten. <laughs> Thankfully, no. We have not taken them on um, to get that hot West Coast market, you know. Um, Iowa. What, what can we say about Iowa except for Luca Garza, who I'm already sick of and would like it if he were no longer here? I just, I remain confused about how a person can move that slowly but act like they're running he truly looks like he has cement shoes um I've said that about other people before but he is the definition of running with cement shoes on it is shocking he the other thing about him that's hilarious is he plays every minute basically of every game he always looks like he is about to die yes like he is constantly the sweatiest you know like hardest breathing person but you, you know, obviously his conditioning is great because he plays every minute. Um, I was going to come on here and talk a bunch of crap about Iowa not being able to play defense, which feels The point can still be made that yeah. their defense just leaves a lot to be desired. Well, and and I, that is because they don't play it. Right. And I think that the difference between Michigan State's struggles on defense and Iowa's struggles on defense is – Michigan State does not have a is Garza senior a fourth year national player of the year wooden shortlist all American you know contender in their starting five. Michigan State does not have Luca Garza and like Luca Garza is going to get his points right. Like Garza is going to get twenty thirty. If you're a team like Gonzaga or MSU, 
your goal is just to keep him in that range, right? Like, if Luka Garza scores 20 points, you can still beat Iowa. Yeah. Um, I mean, he scored 30 points against Gonzaga, and he fouled out, like, half their team, and they still couldn't beat them. So. Right. When yeah. he played Michigan State last year, he had, I believe, 20. So, like, if you keep him in that in that box, mm-hmm. you can still beat Iowa because, in my opinion, I don't think Luka Garza does the other things that a national player of the year contender should do. He only had nine rebounds versus Gonzaga. Why? Yeah. He's the biggest dude on the floor. You know, he, yeah. should, he, he should get more rebounds. And I don't think he's a very good defender either. He gets beat on defense quite a lot. Um, you know, they have uh, Gonzaga has a, a, a young center who was playing well and and he was, you know, putting the move on on Luka Garza. He I don't have that box score in front of me, but he had a pretty efficient game and uh, scored a lot of points. And, and so if you're able to keep Garza in that box, all you have to be worried about is shutting down, you know, Wieskamp and Bohannon. And, you know, if you're a team with an athletic guard like Jalen Suggs, or I would have said on Saturday, Rocket Watts, <laughs> <laughs> you can do that because Wieskamp and Bohannon are great shooters, but they're not exactly the most athletic, you know, guys out there. And, yeah. and Fran McCaffrey is basically content to say, scoring a hundred points a game is our defense. Correct. You know, and, and I would, and also let's be very clear. Iowa's a good basketball team and they're going to yes. win a lot of games. They are going to beat a lot of teams. They might be Michigan state. I Correct. would not bet money that they, that's not going to happen. But when it comes to like the, we're talking about a team that's trying to make the final four, that's trying to win a national championship. When you talk about that level of competition, you know, things like, not playing any defense are, are not gonna they're not gonna uh work out too good for you but i think when it comes to michigan state and iowa the big question of course is like who who's gonna fill xavier tillman's role as luka father? <laughs> i don't know and to be quite frank i am not ready to think about it because well, i think this is probably one of those scenarios where tom and Dwayne do the classic uh center by committee yep just body Body, body. Yep. I think uh, you have to. Yeah, and 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 that's probably you know, and that could work. <laughs> you know, sure. You might as well give it a whirl. <laughs> you might as well give it a whirl and see how it shakes out. Um, yeah. So you know, looking other places in the Big Ten, I'm going to go ahead and say Illinois. I've watched an extraordinary amount of basketball from the fighting Illini um, and obviously when you return Kofi Coburn and Io DeSumo you're going to be good from the jump right I mean that's so much talent Kofi looks like he learned how to play basketball which is exciting for him um, he looks less confused at times when uh, people pass the ball to him and he's a body and so there's not an easy answer to him um, they are you know they lost to Rutgers last night Sorry, Rutger. Whoops. Um, but Rutger looks increasingly talented. They they return a lot of the same guys, so I didn't take a whole lot of slack out of that. There are gonna you're gonna get a lot of losses in the Big Ten this year just because everybody's gonna be beating up on each other. Um, so I think they're clear to challenge Iowa at the top um, and Wisconsin. Um, as for Michigan. I don't really know anything about them, to be honest with you. I haven't cared to check them out too much 
yet. Um, they haven't played in a long time. I think when we checked, they haven't played since the 13th of December. Um, and so they've been on pause for a while. So not much to see there. I don't know. Do you have any Michigan thoughts or? Hunter Dickinson is quite good. Yeah. Freshman center, seven footer. Um, I watched the game where they tried to lose to Oakland. Yes. And they won in overtime that game, I do believe. Yes. And yeah. and what happened when they won in overtime is uh, somebody pulled on Juan, How uh, Juan Howard's sleeve and said, do you know that there's a seven-footer on the bench? Because basically they just worked it inside to uh, Dickinson um, the entire, you know, overtime and, and the last part of the second half. Uh, so, you know, he is, I think, pretty good. Um and they have Isaiah Livers still, um, which is a, you know, an important piece to their success. Um, but I don't know. I remain out on them because I always will. I'm just petty like that. <laughs> yeah, I think they're um, they're no longer in the top 25. They were at one point. We were kind of like pulling together all the ranked teams to to discuss. It's always worth talking about Michigan because yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they still they also have Eli Brooks. They have. Uh, Shawnee Brown, who I believe is a transfer from um, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've got some, they have some talent, you know, Brandon Johns. Um, it's interesting because most of the Big Ten, oh, and Franz Wagner, who could forget? Franz, um, who could forget, yeah. They, a lot of the Big Ten returns, it, the Big Ten by and large looks a lot the same as it did last year. Uh, Michigan yeah. State is one of the most changed teams. Maryland is another one, uh, losing Fernando, and they had another person who was good that I can't remember. No, it's gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> but most of the Big Ten, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Rutger, Michigan, um, a lot of the, the really good teams look mostly the same parts. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of the same from last year, which is a lot of teams – Teams beating up on each other, a lot of losses. Um, kind of Sarah alluded to earlier, Michigan State is always good for a sort of mid-Big Ten crappy loss. Maybe this we just got this one out of the early out of the way early. And also, yeah. now that I'm thinking about it, Michigan State has been like threatening to lose one of these early Big Ten games for the past couple of years. Like we did yeah. try to do the Rutger in yeah. December last year. You know, it's just it's, so you can't say it's really out of character. Uh, for them yeah but I think like everybody is saying the Big Ten is going to be a dogfight um, and you know I'm excited to see how it plays out I'm skeptical of a four-peat because it's nearly impossible um, and there's so much talent um, in the Big Ten but I guess we'll see you never know what could happen here yeah it, it should be great I'm looking forward to some good basketball that Illinois Rutgers game was very good so you know Yes. more and more good games as the Big Ten season gets on. That's true. All right. Well, Sarah, should we take that commercial break? Yes. So we're going to take a commercial break. And when we're back, football? Football. And we're back. I don't know if that worked. Um, I was giving, given really detailed tech instructions from Austin. So if that worked great, if it doesn't, you can blame him. Anyway, Sarah, who knew going into today that we would be excited to talk football or maybe 
feel less pained to talk football. Um, Thankfully, we do not have a football game to discuss. Um, The Maryland game got canceled due to COVID and Mel has declined a bowl game. He has said, thank you very much. We have seen enough. Let's not play um, anymore. And so I think he's made the right decision. Merry Christmas. I also got you no more football. Yay. Now that is a gift I will keep. Thank you for thinking of me. <laughs> so, a little bit of a bummer that they didn't get to play the Maryland game just because that's a game that felt like winnable-ish and it would have been nice to see another outing. Um, I also would have liked to see those script state helmets that were allegedly uh, planned for that game. That would have been beautiful. Now neon scripts. That's a topic for a different pod, but let me just tell you, yes, thank you. <laughs> we might get to some uniform talk later. <laughs> Put a pin in that. Um, yeah. So despite the fact that there was no football this week and that the season is over, we actually have quite a lot to talk about, uh, yes. a lot of questions, a lot of news. And the first question we have is, how many quarterbacks is too many quarterbacks? Because Michigan State went out uh, and got – from the transfer portal, uh, quarterback Anthony Russo from the Temple Owls. Just a great mascot. Um, and I think the the answer to the question, how many quarterbacks is too many quarterbacks, is the, the number of quarterbacks that allows Michigan State to score touchdowns is... The correct number. The correct number. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Russo only has one year of eligibility. It's basically like a grad transfer. Um, he played four years at Temple. Uh, in his last full season, he threw for almost 3,000 yards. So uh, has a lot of experience. Seems pretty capable. Uh, you know, not really a lot to say because, I, you know, we'll see how it goes. But uh, Yeah, I think the biggest thing for him was um, once we saw that we picked up a essentially a grad transfer quarterback, we knew that there were going to be some changes, right? Somebody was going to leave. Um I don't think you pick up somebody who only has one year left and don't intend to at least have him compete for the starting job. Um, And so there was some immediate discussion on who that player would be. And ultimately, uh, Rocky Lombardi has decided to enter the transfer portal. And I can't say that I blame him. Um, I think the writing was pretty clearly on the wall for him uh, once Peyton, obviously Peyton started over him because of an injury. But I don't think it was ever really his team, to be honest. I think they played him because he had the most experience and Mel was still trying to figure out what he had. But I don't blame Rocky. I think he made a great decision for himself. We'll always have the Michigan game from this year where people forget um, we went into Ann Arbor um, as a three-touchdown dog and won. Um, And so... It was a success on on that alone. And we also saw him at the Final Four in Minneapolis. Yeah, our good pal Rocky. And that was about 20 years ago. So so it was probably time for him um, to move on. So we'll wish him well. I don't have any Rocky slander to offer. I don't think we can say anything of, other than he did his best here. Um, and shout out to him for that. So moving forward, I think we're going to have a quarterback battle next year. Um, Peyton Thorne versus our new friend, Anthony Russo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I hope everyone likes quarterback battles because that's all <laughs> we've got you for Christmas this year. Um, 
yeah, I think it seems pretty obvious that the the QB battle is going to be between Russo and Thorne. Or sorry, yes, Thorne, Peyton Thorne. Yep. That's his name. I keep looking at Theo Day and Peyton Thorne together and getting a weird brain. Um, so yes, those are the, those are the other people on uh, the roster on scholarship. There is Theo Day, the redshirt sophomore. Noah Kim, who I believe is a freshman, and then the recently signed Hamp Fay. Um, I, I don't think we expect any of those three to be in serious contention. Maybe Theo Day, but uh, I, I think I've been I've been thinking a lot about Theo Day, and I on I I wouldn't be surprised if he also transfers. Yeah, um, because Peyton passed him this year, you know, in the depth chart. So if he wants to play right away and knowing that Hamp Fay is coming in and has been a guy Mel has wanted or at least had his eye on for the last couple of years, he was watching him at Colorado too. He might want to move on as well if he um, wants to play right away and who doesn't. So something to keep an eye on. Five quarterbacks seems like a lot. Four quarterbacks seems sufficient. And they're also like some other rando quarterbacks on the the roster. But um, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I, I think another transfer is definitely not out of the uh, other question. So uh, it is transfer season. And I think that, um, you know, as we finish the year, right, no more football, we're looking towards next year. I, I think it's fair to say, like, what what has been the Mel Tucker experience so far? You know, how, <laughs> how have our expectations uh First, I'd like to touch on having him be the one to lead us through a tumultuous offseason. Um, and by offseason, I mean just that period where nobody knew if we were actually going to play. Obviously, there was a lot uh, in the social justice movement. And having him there to lead the team, I felt really good about. He is younger than D'Antonio, and so I think he's just um, in touch more with what his guys expect of him. Um, he wasn't intimidated by the fact that he didn't get to see his players in person. He adapted. He was ready to go. Um, he kept people engaged as much as he could. And so I felt good about that level of leadership. We don't know what happened in all of those meetings, but it seems like from the guys, he was doing his best and and they felt um, cared for and looked after in that time. Um, as far as on the field, I'm not surprised at our results. Um, I didn't think we were going to be good. I didn't know we were going to be extra bad with two wins that I continue to shake my head at. Um, And I'm glad for those wins, but I don't know anyone who was going into this football season expecting us to be good. And if you were expecting that, I would like to know what you're on and can I have some? (laughs) Please get your head examined. Um... Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think the expectations were not super high, so I'm I'm with you. I'm not uh, – this is more or less what I expected. I would have expected our two wins to be over, like, Rutger and Maryland. But, you know, I will take the Michigan and our Western <laughs> wins instead. Um, given that Mel Tucker – this is the this, – this date continues to be wild to me. Mel Tucker was hired on February 12th, and they basically flew him and Joe Allen in got him off the plane, took him to the facilities, and then we're like, by the way, turn all the lights off because you're not going to be back here for yeah. six months. Also, shout out to JoJo and her coach. I just uh, want to shout that out. Truly, I am upset that of many things COVID has robbed us of. It has robbed us of JoJo and her fashions. Correct. Games. 
anyway, um, I think, so I think that the expectations were low and I think that the reality is, is pretty much in line with what my expectations were. Um, you made a good point about like needing to reevaluate what the expectations are. This is no longer a program that is one year off of making the college football playoff. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. this is a program that's in rebuild mode. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think maybe we tried to ignore it for a little bit. Like we knew we were struggling when you can't score touchdowns. Here comes another hot take. You aren't going to win many games. Um, we knew we were in trouble. I don't know if anyone was really aware of how maybe bare the cupboard was. Um, I think you saw the effects of, you know, whether or not he actually was checking out, but D'Antonio wasn't getting the people that he used to. And so to have a new coach come in who is completely re-energized on recruiting for Michigan State, he has said multiple times, if you can't recruit players to Michigan State, you can't recruit, right? And to have somebody buy into your brand is important in this case when you're selling people on, okay, I know what you saw on the field, but this is what we have for you. We have the facilities. We have the guys. We have the coaching staff. We need you here to help turn it around. I think that's what he's doing the work on. And he's really focused on getting his guys, which sounds like a ridiculous thing to say because what coach doesn't want a guy who's going to play for him? But he's not chasing stars. He knows he's not going to get the five stars that Ohio State is recruiting. But he's going to go after his three stars and bring them in and have them buy into Michigan state right away. And at this stage in the rebuild, that's what we need. And one of the things that defines a Mel Tucker guy, you've heard it. Mm -hmm. height. It is height season. At Michigan height season in East Lansing. Yes. Welcome everyone. So National signing day was last week. Um, and I would just like to run down some of the fellas that signed their uh, letters of intent. Please do their respective sizes. So we've got offensive lineman, Kevin Wigington, 6'5", 295. Previously mentioned quarterback, Hamp Fay, 6'6", 230. Uh, offensive lineman, Brandon Baldwin, 6'7", 315. Yikes. And Alex Akalo, 6'6", 215. Defensive tackle, Derek Harmon, 6'6", 350. That is a big guy. <laughs> That's a big boy. Offensive <laughs> lineman, Ethan Boyd, 6'7", 295. Uh, East Lansing product. Uh, defensive end Tyson Watson, 6'6", 275. Offensive lineman Gino Vandermark, uh, 6'5", 295. And then just uh, Sunday, I believe. Or wait, what is it? Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> days don't matter. We've, we're clear on that. A couple days ago, offensive line transfer from Arkansas State, uh, Jarrett Horst, 6'6", 305. That's a big boy. So those yeah. are some big bodies yeah and you have made a good point too where like you can bring guys in who are three stars like Hamp Faye is, is a three star I believe um and obviously we've and we've seen success for Michigan State with those lower starred guys um but you can't teach height you can't teach size and I and I feel like the last couple of years we've tried to we've spent so much energy getting these guys bigger right gaining weight and all of that. And so you're losing that valuable time where they know how to play within their body, right? I think there's a lot to that where you're having to make, you were having to make these big strides 
with guys and getting them to, to gain weight that they didn't know how to play within themselves. And then everybody was hurt on the offensive line every year. And so you were struggling from the beginning, but if you're starting from a place of height and, and weight that you want in your positions and Mel clearly has targets for each of his positions, he has size ranges that he likes to work within, then you're already starting from a better place. Yeah. I think that, you know, D'Antonio's big focus was recruiting almost mentality and like, especially on defense fit to the system, you know, we needed guys to play the star and the Sam and, you know, whatever the positions were on defense. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems like, and then he thought I will take those lower star guys with the right mentality and the right fit in the system. And I will coach them up to higher skill levels. And I think that Mel's philosophy is more, if you are six, six or six, seven, and you weigh 295 pounds, I, and you're a three-star, I can help you with your skills, but like, you know, you're already the, the body size. And you look at teams like Ohio State, Iowa, you know, Alabama, but you know, Ohio State's offensive line, I think it was last year, outweighed Michigan State's offensive line by like 50 pounds per player. Yeah. So there's no amount of coaching that is going to get you an extra 50 pounds per guy. Yes. Uh, or an extra two or three inches of height per guy. Uh, so, you know, those were the guys um, that signed on, on National Signing Day. And then one more uh, big commit, the sort of the jewel of this recruiting class is, mm-hmm. all right, everyone, this is how to say his name on Twitter. And so if this is wrong, please let me know. Ma'a Naoteote uh, <laughs> was originally committed to USC. Um, his brother. Hang on. I think it's notable that we flipped him and he yeah. has been committed to USC since he was a freshman in high school. This is history there. Yes. And his brother was on the roster there as well, but then entered the transfer portal. So obviously something uh, didn't go great there. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's an assumption, I guess. But, you know, if if the brother was playing there and Ma'a was committed there and, and now they're both no longer interested, um, you know, that's a big thing. He's also a big boy. He's a four-star recruit. Um, yeah, so it's always nice to get a flip from another big Power 5 program. Especially um, since we are awfully thin at linebacker. I think he could be a difference maker right away. And that's exciting. Um, speaking of exciting, ooh, transitions, um, we, got, we made another pickup from the transfer portal, and that is Harold Joyner, the two. He is kind of a hybrid running back wide receiver um, transfer from Auburn, and I don't care what kind of year any SEC team is having, getting a transfer from an SEC school is always a good get. Also important to note about Harold is that if you have not seen the video in which he is doing an entire gymnastics floor routine across a football practice field, I suggest you find it on Twitter immediately because his flips are incredible. Um, But really, I think this was a nice pickup um, for Michigan State, especially when Audric Estime flipped to Notre Dame, which ultimately I don't think was surprising. Um, I think when Notre Dame kind of came in late and offered him, we knew we had lost him. So picking up somebody with some experience is great. And also he considered committing to Michigan State when D'Antonio was there. Um, So he was already interested. They made the right call um, and got him uh, to East Lansing. And I think 
he's going to be an important guy to watch, um, especially as Michigan State is still trying to figure out its run game. Yeah, and I think that somebody with those more hybrid running back, wide receiver, Le'Veon Bell type skills mm-hmm. is something that this offense really needs. Um, you know, we're talking about the cupboards being bare uh, with D'Antonio. And, and one of the things that Michigan State has lacked over the past couple of years that they had in the years where D'Antonio was more successful is dynamic playmakers, guys with speed, guys with agility. Um, you know, in the past two years, the guys that we did have, like Jalen Naylor, missed almost the entirety of the season two years ago. Ricky White missed most of this season. But imagine- Shout out to him for the one game. Shout out yeah. to him for the uh, Michigan game. Ricky White always. Um, <laughs> but imagine, imagine, just just picture Jalen Naylor, Ricky White, and Harold Joyner all on the field at the same time. You know, wow. I can't. With speed, with, dynamic, with the dynamic ability, and, you know, not an offense, hopefully, that is going to throw an incomplete pass on first down, then run it on second down, then have a third and eight, and then punt, you know, like, which was basically Michigan State's offense for the past three years. Yeah. Um, so, you know. I would like to see something different, if I'm honest. Could we even I would... bring back the sweep? Could the Jets yeah. be back? I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that. We started with that Northwestern game, and now you want to talk about a jet sweep? I am not prepared. Um, I will say a jet sweep. I don't. I don't hate a jet sweep, except if you're going to execute a jet sweep, you've got to have the right people. And the problem is, right. I've been running slow ass jet sweeps for four years. So maybe Harold Joyner is the answer. He could be the answer. Um, I think he's going to be very exciting to watch. Um, Another important uh, get for this year is a long snapper, Hank Pepper. Mostly we listed him here because that is a great name. Hank Pepper. We love Hank Pepper and we would die for him. Already. We know we would. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then just sort of to wrap up the offseason acquisitions for Michigan State, they've got one big commit outstanding, uh, Rayshon Benny. Uh, has not signed yet. I believe he's going to sign in February. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that there's a lot of noise about him potentially flipping, but he's leaving his recruitment open. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and then just sort of final football stuff, happy trails to uh, Naquan Jones, uh, Shakur Brown, and Antoine Simmons, Ugh. all declared for the NFL. Um yeah, Naquan and Antoine will definitely be missed. Yeah, you saw that series in the Penn State game um, where Antoine had to come out and the defense essentially fell apart. Um, so that doesn't leave me concerned at all for the future, but he is making the best decision for himself. I don't know what else you can present to people other than what he did um, you know, the last couple of years. So hopefully we keep our draft streak alive. That would be awesome um, for all three of them. I think they, they all offer something unique. Um, And then also all big 10 honors uh, Shaq Antoine, and then Drew Beasley got an honorable mention. So um, with a team that left a lot to be desired, it's nice to have some bright spots. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. And, and Antoine was uh, first team all big 10 um, and I think extremely well-deserved and he'll be missed both, you know, on the field and off the field. He was kind yeah. of that guy who was the the face of the team, you know, always in the press conferences and stuff. So, uh, you know, we'll miss him for sure, but it, the, that's the nature of it. And, and you can't blame guys for wanting to 
to move on. And I think Antoine was a senior, so it. I think I he would get one more year, though, with the COVID rules. I think another year, but I think yeah. you expect to play a certain number of years, you know. And I think that I don't. I, I, I like you said, it's not like he was injured this year, had a bad year. He did just as much as anybody could do on a pretty stinky team. Uh, so <laughs> I think that it's probably time for him uh, to move on. And it's time for us to move on. Yes. Uh, should we take some questions from all of our fans on Twitter who were so kind to submit? Yeah. And I, the first one is, and I really liked this question. So as you may know, Sarah and I are really big fans of the neon uniforms. Basketball, football. Neon forever. We love them. Yes. Neon is great. And so someone said, uh, what would be your ideal sort of neon uh, uniform. I believe they were talking football, but you know, we can talk about how can it, what would it, what would be the best neon uniform we could think of for, for football? Great question. Great question. Yeah, very good question. I think that uh, my issue with the current neons is that they have too many things on the Jersey. I think the name placard is too big. And I think with the neon and the white, they look a little bit janky. So I would like to see, hear me out, the neon pants from last year. Because well, first of all, first of all, bring those back. The if fact you're that they played neon. without the neon pants this year, I'm not sure I can forgive them. Neon pants. And then I think the jersey should be more like the basketball uniforms that had the black with neon. Mm -hmm. So I would say neon pants, black jersey with neon accoutrement, mm -hmm. and then green helmet, dark green helmet, neon gruff sparty. What Interesting. Interesting with the dark green helmet. I don't think I agree with you there. I would challenge them to go <laughs> neon helmet. Think Ooh, about neon it. helmet. Think, think about it. Is that legal? Surely Oregon plays with something neon. Sure or like, or Baylor or something. Um, I would go neon helmet. I like your idea. I love black and neon. I was actually hoping that the basketball uniforms last night would be black and neon. Um, when the basketball social media team released that video of Gabe in the new alternates, I was hoping that's what we were getting. Um, but unfortunately for these black alternates i think they're gonna go in the pile with the silver duke uh uniforms that never saw the light of day again if they did play in those again i've just blacked it out of my mind entirely um those were horrible everyone knows what i'm talking about but last night i thought they just felt flat i'm all for an alternate um I think it's fun. It's not something you do every day, um, except for when we started wearing the scripts all the time, which I am for. Um, but a black uniform with a tonal Spartan head fell flat for me. I think you could have kept... read on TV at all. No. The, the uh, freeze piping down the yep. one side, the Spartan head on the center, it did not read. They could have used, honestly, a little neon. Exactly. If they would have popped some neon on that black, I would have been very happy. And I, and they've played in black and neon jerseys before, and I liked those. Um, but last night, I wouldn't, even if we had one, I think I would come out of there saying, I'd rather not see those again, just knowing we can do so much better. Mm -hmm. um, head to toe neon is never a problem for me. I say blind people, if we've got to use that advantage. 
by coming out there in full neon, let's use it. Let's take that and run. Um, but if that's not an option, I think black and neon um, would be my next choice. Yeah. And I actually don't mind the dark green with neon, especially for football. I just, like I said, the current iteration of the jersey, I don't like how the state goes kind of like armpit to armpit. It, yeah. <laughs> I don't like the way it looks. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that Sarah and I are in agreement when we say more neon, not Absolutely. less. Yes, Definitely correct. more neon. Although, like, you know, speaking of alternates for the basketball team, I want to yeah. see them bring back the the Flintstones alternates from last year because I think those were probably going to get in the postseason, and we only yeah. saw them like once or twice, and that was a bummer. Yeah, I would also agree to see those again. Um, those were pretty special and also upsetting that that's a throwback, but face it, we're old. Um, and I think it's important for me to listen to myself say that, but it was really hard to see that as a throwback uniform. Um, our next question is tough. Um, and I wasn't sure what to say here, but this one comes from Jason Fry on Twitter. And he asked, Connor George or Malik Hall? discuss. Um, and this felt like a personal attack to my brand, to be honest with you. It felt like a personal attack. So I don't know how I wronged you, Jason, and I apologize. It's hard for me to pick, to be quite frank, but I think I'm going to go with Malik. Um, I think Connor and I had what we had several years ago, and I appreciated any time he came in and, and you know, hit a couple, and, and that's fine. But I think that Malik and I have more opportunity to grow and I think we've only seen the beginning of what he can do and I'm going to stand in line as president of the Malik Hall fan club and I feel good about that but it was hard it was really hard for me to pick what about you um I don't have quite the affinity for Connor George <laughs> that you did so this is less hard for me I will if somebody had said like Xavier Tillman versus somebody I would have had more feelings but I'm basically, I'm a Michigan State basketball stand free agent right now. I'm still looking. Wow. I'm still looking for the the player that's going to fill that Xavier Tillman shaped hole in my heart. Uh, well, good luck. Yeah, yeah, it's true. We had we had three great years of X giving it to us, and now now he's gone. So you know, I think that going forward, I I thought that it was going to be Rocket Rocket continues to be problematic so i don't know i might get in early on the aj uh hogard fan train uh i'm just might i just might get in the front of that line like you were with malik uh yeah. you know right out the gate um i also want nothing but good things for aaron henry like yes can we all agree <laughs> that whatever we've got to do to get him the good juju sage something um i think we need we needed to sage him last year if i recall correctly um but yeah let's sage on this <laughs> everyone needs sage to be quite frank we need to toss the black uniforms and just sage everyone um and leave that northwestern game in the dust correct <laughs> well i think, I think that wraps yeah. it up yeah it was a lot of fun even though um we had a lot of darkness to talk about um hopefully that's the worst it gets um for michigan state basketball this year a lot of exciting games upcoming um christmas day against wisconsin and then minnesota on the 28th so it's not over it's just the beginning 
And hopefully they can take a lot from this and learn and never play like that again. Um, so thank you, Sarah, for going on this journey with me. Thank you, John and Austin. Um, it was a blast as always. Um, and we look forward to doing it again in the future. Yeah. And uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yes. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. See ya.